Welcome back to the Pull the Pin Podcast. Tommy, good to see you. We have Matt in studio today as well. All three of us, the band is back together, as they say. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, not a lot of PGA stuff to talk about today. We'll hit on the Century Tournament of Champions that's coming up next week in Kapalua. Um, but a couple of just, you know, little goofy Christmas, New Year's Eve type stuff like uh, what was on certain PGA players' wish lists? Um, what are our New Year's golf resolutions? Um, what else do I have on that Google Doc there, executive producer? Let's see. It was uh, You pretty much nailed it. Uh, we're going to talk about well, – Uncle Ty's going to talk about Drybox. Yep. Yeah, we got an email back from Drybox. Those guys are really cool. Um, they've been in New England. Uh, that's, a, that's the only East Coast thing they've done so far. So we'll hit on that a little bit. Uh, and then what was the last thing there? Tips to break 90. Tips to break 90. So I think all of us have, have done that at this point in our, our golf life. And uh, there's a couple of simple things that we think that uh, you can do to, to make it work. So let's jump right in. Uh, let's go right to the PGA Tour player that is making a new, or uh, what was on their sound list. Um, Tommy, you, you quickly jumped on somebody in the text chain about it. So why don't you jump off of it? Well, I think. Bryson this year, you know, he started to talk about a new product coming out that he's pretty excited about. And I think he was most excited to get a driver that doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, sure Cobra, I'm sure Cobra absolutely loves it. Um, you know, uh, I, I just uh, – he, he is just so bad at PR for himself, right? Like, uh, we were talking about it in here earlier when we – Dan, Dan just mentioned it, yeah. We're like, you know – he, he just, if he, he just kept, kept his, his mouth shut, mm-hmm. he, he might be better off. He was more like Tiger, like coming up, and you just didn't really hear from him, but you just knew that he had awe of him out. Him, you know, he didn't right. really do too many interviews and stuff, or maybe outlandish his comments. He just went about his business. He'd be so good for him. <laughs> Matt, your thoughts on Bryson getting a new driver for Christmas? Good for Bryson. Maybe we, maybe we won't hear about it this year. I'm sure we will at some point, but I. Uh... I hope we don't. In all seriousness, really hope though, we don't. I haven't seen the new Cobra driver yet. I guess I have, but only pictures. Yeah, right. And I've heard Kyle Bernstein talk about it, and I thought it was funny because he was saying, like, yeah, it's like last year's driver were more forgiving on the misfits, which was Bryson's biggest, like, complaint. <laughs> and I think it's hilarious to talk about these guys who are, like, trying to swing at, like, 140 miles an hour talking about forgiveness of a driver. I'm like, there is no forgiveness of that. Point. It's just... Uh, I, I, I can't even comprehend 110 to 115 miles now, let alone 140. I swing it like between 100 and 105. Like I'm pretty consistently between those numbers on TrackMan and finding the center of the club face. And at that speed isn't easy. I mean, it's expected, but it's not easy. You know, so what, yeah, that just cracks me up. All right, Matt, what's your, uh, what's your PGA Tour player wish list? So I have John Daly down, and right. uh, each year, you know, he, he keeps talking about, oh, I'm going to quit drinking, going to quit smoking. And every time I see him, he's got a beer in his hand and about 17 cartons of cigarettes. So uh, I think his New Year or uh, his Christmas thing was a million packs of cigarettes and enjoy his life. Just <laughs> holy cow. John Sr., my guy. I, I love John Daly. Yes. I, like, so I'm a golden tea guy through and through, and he's like one of the golden tea people because of loud mouth golf. But like, I mean, he's just, he's just a man, right? Like, he's definitely 
a guy that if you're picking a foursome and he's an option, you gotta you gotta really heavily consider playing with him if, if he ever was be right that. <laughs> Not fair. fair. I said he was he was one of my uh, one of my three. Him and David Faraday are right. definitely my yeah. my two big ones, and maybe Jason Day because like Jason Day a lot. So but Miller Light, Tomorrow, and Diet Coke are the three. Yes, <laughs> love it. All right, so mine was more of a, a joke. I, I I put out that uh, I think Patrick Reed's looking for a cloaking device, so it's easier for him to cheat. Um, I, I you know I also uh, like Cameron Champs out searching for a short game. He's hoping Santa drops that off under his tree because there's a guy who just bombs the ball off the tee, and you get him to like inside a hundred yards, and it just looks rough. You know so. You know, and, and I like Cameron Champ. I think he's a guy I, I like to root for him, but he just he needs that short game. So, but my big one, we'll say Patrick Reed, looking for easier ways to cheat. I think Jordan Speed is looking for Michael to stop making him hit bad shots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael! Michael! It's all Michael's fault. Poor Michael. Yeah, that, sounds, that sounds like Bubba and Ted Scott. Poor Ted Scott. Yeah, I know they're I no longer more, together, but poor when Ted they Scott. were, man. <laughs> I think one of my favorite caddy player moments of all time was Paul Casey and his caddy. He always wears the socks. I can't ever remember his name, but he, he just pulled the wrong number. And it was Straight like up on, yeah. on 18 and he hit it like over the green and Casey was like, what the, you know, like never even looked at the club apparently. Like the caddy's just like, yeah. oh man. I think Justin Thomas is also looking for a broken microphone. <laughs> let me add on to the uh the, the my favorite just this is a nice one to add on to is the, the caddy player moment mm -hmm. i think my favorite is still tyrell hatton would not move after he hit the shot until his caddy told him it was the worst golf shot he had ever seen tommy not a big tyrell hatton guy but uh i mean no, he's no that was that was, that, was, that was hysterical. Tell me that's the worst shot you've ever seen. Yeah. No, tell me, really. I, I'm tell not me. moving until you. Do. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think one of the uh, one of the better on course moments was when Phil hit that ball between the gap, and he looks at Buzz. He's like, "There's no way I was telling you how small the gap was." Yeah, right. I wasn't. I didn't want to tell you about it. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our New Year's resolutions uh, for golf. Obviously, everybody has their. I'm going to wake up and work out every day. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to eat healthy. What are your golf New Year's resolutions? Matt, let's start with you. What do you got this year? So one thing I noticed playing with uh, Mr. PTP yesterday is I have neglected my putting. I have neglected my putting, and I can't do that. I've been working so hard at everything else. I can't. My, my big resolution is don't neglect any part of my game. Uh, make sure you're putting time into each one of them because – as soon as you neglect one, that's what's going to create the big number, create, you know, the higher scores. I, I couldn't agree with that more. That's a that's a great one. This time of year, it's so tough, too, because, you know, we're kind of blessed with a situation where we get to hit on a simulator. You don't really have to putt. And unless you actually take time to go putt, you're not going to work on it. No. I mean, that's why my basement, excuse me, I'm still perping up that Red Bull I drank. Uh, that's why I love like the basement setup I have. I can have the kids come down there and hit balls into a net while I'm while I'm putting. Um, but this it's just tough this time of year, right? Like when do you do most of your practice on the putting green, right? Before a round. Like you don't usually drive to the driving range and then hit balls and then walk to the putting green. I do sometimes, especially if I'm getting ready for a tournament. But this time of year, if you get to go to the driving range, 
you might only have an hour of daylight left after work, so it doesn't even enter your head. So we do have a uh, we do have a comment. Okay, what's up? I'm gonna put it up on the screen here. New Year's golf resolution: Do whatever Tiger Woods was doing for the upper body this year. Guy was looking swole. Hundred percent agree, Joe. <laughs> wow, love it, love it. Who is that from? Joe, and I'm gonna butcher the last name, so I'm not even gonna bother. Gotcha, Joe. You are you are spot on, man. My I apologies, Joe. Him up after the initial press conference where it looked like a WWE photo. Not a PGA Tour photo. That every golf outlet stole from poor Uncle Ty. Hey, man, I'm okay with it. Just, you know, throw that it was my picture that I screenshotted off the TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tommy, New Year's resolutions for golf. Uh, I'm going to continue to hammer just trying to work on the face and path, especially with my long irons. I mean, that's – I think there's really two, three things I'm trying to work on. First, I think I talked about it in the past one here is working on my four through seven iron, trying to get more consistent, not miss left as much and be able to work the ball, which I'm really starting to see outside, which is exciting. Uh, working on getting more, uh, working on my launch angle with my new drivers, trying to get my attack angle up to a point where I can increase my carry distance, something I'm trying to focus on more than overall distance. And third, just continue with our stretching regimen to get my back where it needs to be. So. My, my big one is, is right off that last bit, uh, to stay healthy. Um, I'm, I'm almost 40. I've had some really, really bad injuries. Uh, I have a fusion in my spine. I have knee issues. I have a plate in my left hand. And a lot of that is just being consistent with the work ethic. Um, I think if I stay healthy, I, I have a good practice regimen. I play enough that the golf game will come along with it. So it's big. It's big time for me losing a couple of pounds, staying healthy, becoming more flexible, eating right. Um, I think those are big ones for me. The other one that's a little bit different than just the game side of it, I want to play more competitive golf this year. You know, I, I'm not there yet where I'm going to be complete competing in gap matches or like, like some of the Lanco single stuff I'll, I'll play in, but I, I won't be in the flight that wins it as a, a three or four handicap. But I, I want to play more competitive golf this year. That's That's a big goal for me. In fact, I played my best golf last year when I was playing competitive golf. So that was fun. Like that was a better feel for me. And uh, I'm excited for that. I'd like to up the caliber of guys I play with as well. So um, not a knock against the guys I play with. I play with some really good golfers, but like every now and again, when you go out and you're playing with somebody that's shooting 105, I don't care if they shoot 105, but I, I'd like to have that competitive match going. So it's a, that's a big one for me. Sure. Anything else we want to add to New Year's resolutions? No, but your comment about the fusion and the knees, you are literally Tiger Woods. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> I know for me, gap matches start in April. Uh, you know, we're, I think we're in Section A, which is a very competitive section. I want to come out and I, I'd love to do go 9 and 0 this year by being ready to go right out the gate. And those are some of the first rounds that you play. If I put the York in this winter, you'll show up those and, and they catch some guys off guards. Well, Tommy and I are putting the work in during, on the mornings. We're, you know, in the in the gym by about 5 a.m. Many of you. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting there. Um, we're, we're like three and a half weeks in now. And, I mean, if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you see the photos coming up after the off-season workouts. Um, it's, it's something to, uh, to keep track of. All right. So what's next on that list there, executive producer? We are at... So we got the PGA Santa done with New Year's golf resolutions. Uncle Ty's turn for drive by. Ah, okay. So, yeah. 
Um, email Drivebox last week before the show because I just thought it was a cool concept. For those of you who don't know what Drivebox is, it is a basically a drive-up hitting bay. So they have trucks with a trailer attached to the back that has a hitting bay inside the trailer. And it comes with a bar and clubs and music. And basically, they're, they're pretty much West Coast-based. But I emailed the guys. The owner actually emailed me back. Um, and I, I think maybe their communications director as well. So I got two emails in, within the span of like 15 minutes. Um, basically, it's 350 bucks an hour, which I thought was pretty reasonable for drive-up service, right? So if you're having a party and you've got, you know, 10 people that want to throw in, it's, it's not an absurd amount of money to get, you know, two or three hours worth of, of golf out of it. Um, they've been as far east as... Uh, the, as New England, they did something in New York and, and up in the New England states. So, you know, not much down this way. I, I told him in an email back, I said, I think that this is a huge market for them if their trailers are heated. So, like, here you are in the Northeast, like, you could have college teams that, you know, don't have good facilities that could, you know, certainly rent from those guys. I, I thought that just the Northeast weather in general would be a big benefit to them. If those trailers are heated, which they didn't respond to that part of it yet, I did ask. Um, but I thought, for instance, you know, you get a, uh, you know, you wouldn't even have to pimp the trailer out as much for like a wintertime thing, right? So like you could have your social trailer and then you could have, okay, we rent this out to teams, right? So I just thought that that was something that they, they could probably look at. Um, but they're all solar powered, which is pretty cool. And they use TrackMan and a little bit of quad GC uh, or GC quad. But uh, yeah, decent guys. Very good. I was happy with it. Nice to hear back from them. Um, I'm hoping to stay in touch with them. I told them if they ever come to Lancaster to let me know. Like I might even rent an hour from them just to see what it's like. Um, hopefully Emily doesn't watch the podcast and realize that I told somebody I might spend $350 on an hour or something. But... <laughs> I don't think my wife watches the podcast. So. <laughs> probably for the best. <laughs> All right. So next would probably be Century Tournament of Champions. Yes, sir. All right. So we're in a down week. There's not much going on. Uh, I'd say, you know, it's the last kind of wall week for the PGA, and we kind of ramp it back up down in Hawaii uh, coming up at Kapalua. Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, last year was Harris English, I think, that won this tournament. Yep. Do you want the Sony or the TOZ? What's that? Did you win Sony or TOC? I I thought not on the Sony. Yep, yep, you're right. They were showing that earlier yep. today. So, um, it's another small field because you had to win a championship to to be part of it. Um, we don't have the confirmed field yet. All I have in front of me here are who qualified for it. Most guys who qualify do play. Uh, Phil has committed to it. Phil will be down there, so we'll have that peak which is a ton of fun. I'm curious on, on your guys' opinions, who you think is somebody to watch going into that tournament and uh, and why. So, Matt, we'll start with you. I mean, there's the usual suspects. Like, I do want to say Tony Fino again because I, I really think he's going to have a really good year. And, um, I mean, every part of his game just looks solid. Again, dude shot 59 just in a pick-around round, so – that's uh, there's my pick then. My, okay, so I have a question about that. Fifty nine is a great number, it right? Is. Like I, I'm not, I'm not dismissing that. Mm-hmm. For those guys though, is fifty nine and a dick around round the same as like 
What, what do you think that equates to to a tournament round, right? Do you think he's shots better in the tournament round or shots worse? I think he's. I think that equates to like a sixty-six. Oh, 66? In a tournament. Oh, I think that's actually 63 in a tournament. 63? 60, 61 right. to 63, somewhere okay. around there. Not 61. You don't think so? It's not two strokes. Not with people down the lines and filling the fairway. Like, I, I think that adds an element that none of us understand, obviously. So right. it's like we, yeah, we yeah. could be totally off. Like, you could be exactly right. 61 yeah. could absolutely be the number. Um, I don't know. When you're that hot, though, does anything else yeah, does, matter? Are you even you know thinking know I mean? about that, what's that's going the on? Thing. That's the question, right? So, like, when you're that hot and your putter gets on fire, but there's nobody there talking and around, like, you know, there's nobody around the greens. I mean, it's I'm just sure you and your buddies. Their, I mean, I know it's not the same. I'm sure they had their own match for maybe a couple sure. hundred thousand right, dollars. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, um, so I'm sure it wasn't for nothing. But you're right. I mean, I'm sure. But, when you're unconscious like that and you have that kind of skill, it's like it's like Kobe going off for 81, you know? Yeah, it's right. Like, you just like when you just can't. But see, no, but no, it's not, round, but okay, in my opinion, it's not like Kobe going off for 81. That'd be like Kobe, that'd be like Kobe going off for 81 over at the Y. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. like so that's that's what I'm saying. And Kobe I should go off get, at 81 for 81 yeah. at the Y, right? I can really go just saying there. Yeah. Like I I, I, I get it, that. It's but just, also, it's it's just brought up a couple times on the podcast yeah, about firing this fifty nine. So yeah. Right. I'm just curious where you go. 63? Yeah, I think it's fair enough. I, I think 63, 63 is fair. A little, a little high. I mean, that's, okay. that's 66 is a difference. But you see 66 is every week. Like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. He's still making a good number of plays. I'd be curious, like, so do you think that – so he was playing with other – there were a couple other PGA players in that group. John Rom. Right. right. So it was him and Rom, And, like, how often do you think they shoot 59 if they go out and play – I don't oh, think it's not. that regularly. No. If, no, it's yeah, not. I'm sure it's I mean, they still do a handful of times in their life. Right. I think that's like for them, it's like us shooting under par, like, or maybe a little, or shooting like our career round still, and still career round. It's not like they go out every weekend. They're like, yeah, I shot 59 again. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I get that. I mean, maybe one of them walks into Overlook, they're going to shoot 59 every time out because. Yeah, but I mean, just, there's a video I saw Bubba Watson went to like a local. Public course, like six thousand yards, went out shot like sixty six. It wasn't like he went one right. shot, like yeah. yeah. And part of it was because the greens weren't as good and stuff. And like that's fair. That's fair. Overdrive, some people hit it over the green and some right. high fours and get in some weird spots. Well, and also like you, you pointed out the greens, right? So like on the PGA Tour, like you're not gonna walk in. Not many courses on the PGA Tour are gonna have different speed greens in one area than another. Like yeah. Muni tracks and tracks around here, it's it's often noticeable that it's like, wow, that green was way slower than the other yep. three we just played. So yeah. that's that's a good point as well. Tommy, who you got? Uh, early predictions. We'll do like the full like stats breakdown next week for the first time in a long time. I get to get back into my sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I got three guys to watch for. Okay, uh, one is somebody who. Won twice last year, or sorry, twice last year. One already this season, and continues, I think, to play well as Jason Kodrak. Um, not necessarily. I don't know if he can shoot low enough to win, but I expect him to have a strong start to the 2022. Get maybe a top five. I'm a big Kodrak guy this year. I think it's a top five. I don't think it's a win, but I expect him to continue to have a solid year this year. Um, another guy I like. The next two are kind of chalk picks, but there's a lot. They're all chalk picks, right? They're all guys who won. Right. For the yep. most part. Uh, Xander Shoffley, I expect to do well. He's got to win a tournament this year. Yeah. and Or, or a couple tournaments. I mean, and sorry. I think, I think this will be a stepping stone year for him. 
Uh, and I put this guy as my player of the year for this upcoming season. I think, let me first say that this is a tournament you need to be able to shoot like a 63 at some point during the yep. tournament. Like you don't need to do it every four rounds, but you're going to have to shoot an eight, nine under round at some point to win this. Um, and I think there's nobody better to do that than Justin Thomas. And I think he starts his player of the year run from the first tournament. Is the tournament that they have Xander Shoffley qualifying for this, the Olympics? I don't believe so. Because the picture, like, everybody else is holding a picture of the trophy they won, and Shoffley's wearing a gold medal. I don't know if we'll have to get Madden on that. I don't think he qualified just by that, but. I don't remember him winning um, a tournament last year. That's why. I, yeah, we'll have to have Matt look it up. Yeah, but, Matt had to go help a customer, so he'll be back. Um, and when he gets back, we'll have but, him look up Xander Shoffley I mean, last I mean, year. Justin Thomas shot 59 at the Sony Open in mm -hmm. Hawaii. So he has a history of playing well in Hawaii. I'd like him to kind of come back, like, not come back this year. He's always still a top 10 in the world guy. Sure. Yep. But I've said on the previous podcast, he's my pick to win, to be the player of the year this year. Yep. Um, I think we're in agreement there. I, I like him a lot this year. Matt, did Xander Shoffley win a tournament last year outside, outside of the gold medal? So, my, I have a couple as well. Um, I'm not going to go chalk this. I'm going to go guys I think you got to look out for this week. All right. Next week. Um, the closest to chalk that I have would be Kevin Na. Co-Crack's partner in the, um, um, the QBE shootout that we just had. I, I'm just a Nah guy early in the year. He played really well early in the year last year, and he's the guy – he doesn't stop playing, right? He doesn't take breaks throughout the season, which, you know, so I, I see him coming in in good form. Um, I like him this week. Um, a couple of guys to look out for for, like, a top 10, top five that you can get pretty good odds. I like Garrett Higo a lot. Um, South African playing – you know, tropical golf, like, I think he can come out and play well. Um, and Lucas Clover is another guy that I think is going to have a nice year. He's going to be a guy that has some top tens and top fives. You're going to be able to make some money on this year. Pay attention to those two guys this week. How they play next week, I'm so used to being the week of. Next week, those two guys, if they play really well this week or next week, the following tournaments that they get to play, and I think they'll be really strong. Yeah, I mean – Hawaii is its own animal. I yep. mean, different type, different type of grass. You know, tighter. It's, you know, it's just, it's just different. It's unlike any other portion of the season um, that you see. And I think that the there's a stir of people who play well yep. in Hawaii. And, and we're back. Sorry. So. Um, no, I think you're right about it's that. It's something to try to take advantage of. It's really a two to three week span where you can rack up a lot of points if you like that style of golf. And then I think they immediately go to the West Coast or and then the Florida. Yep. So, yep. Um, which is a little bit different entirely. So, you want to, if you're somebody you can take advantage, if you play well over there, you want to play hot and right. get going fast because that's what's going to ultimately give you. Well, they're, they're not overly long courses. Right, because they're on islands, there's just not enough room. So they're not overly long courses. You have that situation where you've got a ton of wind and you've got elements, right? You're going to play through the elements. And there are just certain guys who are better at that than others. And, uh, you know, like it's one of the reasons I love Kevin Knock. You don't have to be overly long, but Kevin Knock can puff the lights out of the place and can get really hot um, and not have to hit a 330, right? So um, there's, there's a guy that, you know, I really like in two weeks. All right, what's next on that list? Unless anybody wants to talk more about the tournament of champions, I, I do. do. I do. Uh, right. Just to let you know, no, he didn't win anything. Right, so the gold medal is yeah. on the gold medal. 
which I did not realize. Yeah, I didn't realize I, I counted either. Applications at all? You didn't get any facts about playing for it? Didn't get any money? Well, it was interesting because when you were like, when you brought him up, I was like, is he even playing? Because I, I remember just us talking relentlessly last year about how he's always in the hunt going into the final day and just could never close the deal last right. year. Um, so I, Xander's got to win one this year. He's he's too good a player. I think the gold medal and the Ryder Cup were great for him. Yeah, I think that really helps him uh, moving forward. Anything else to put on the uh, century there, uh, no, sir? Producer. All right, what's next on that Google Doc? This is tips to break ninety. Tips to break ninety. That's exactly what I want to talk about. All right. So, when did you, how old were you when you broke ninety, Tommy? Probably. I mean, from men's tees. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking maybe about when we were playing junior golf. Twelve, thirteen, maybe. Not bad. Yeah. Probably seventeen or eighteen. All right. So, as the old guy, I didn't start playing until I was twenty-six. I broke ninety when I was twenty-eight. I remember it very, very well. I had been playing for two years, and I played 400 rounds of golf in the first two years of golf that I played. It was just, I just never stopped. I wasn't married, didn't have kids. I just kept playing, and there were two pieces of advice that I still try and think about to this day, trying to break 70 and break 80. And one is understand how you hit the golf ball. And when I say that, what I mean is, you don't carry the ball to you don't carry the ball where the ball ends up. Understanding your carry distances for every golfer. I don't care what your handicap is, you need to understand. You don't need to know them exactly. Because that's a really difficult science, right? That's something that like I still struggle with as a three and four handicap. Like sometimes you just hit a fire and it goes. But you should know that your five iron goes. 170 to 185 yards, right? Like that that needs to be in your head. Now, where obviously you might dust some shots, you might hit some shots poorly. The other piece of advice that I still think about to this day is have one go-to club off the tee. So if you can't get the driver in play, have a club that you absolutely are comfortable putting it in play. I don't care if it's an eight iron and you have to go eight iron, eight iron, eight iron into a hole. It still puts you in better position than going OB rough right like you're just, talking about being on the green in three versus hitting three from the beat. exactly exactly so those are the two biggest pieces of advice that i got when i first started playing a lot that i i've always tried to keep in the back of my head no matter what um it's gotten more precise the more i've played right like so now i sit there and it's like if i have a nine iron in my hand i'm i'm hoping 140 to 147 148 you know the eight iron i'm looking and it, it's that eight yard window right and you know so and where you're at it might be a little tighter than that right so um you know i think those are the two things that i really emphasize to guys that are trying to get better and manage the game i think managing the game is what we're, we're really talking about here yeah i have three pieces of advice that are extremely specific but they're if you do all three things it's almost impossible to not break 90. have no OB, which you already talked about yep. You know, it's okay to get in the water every now and again. I mean, ideally, you have no penalties, but that's easier said than done. But you can't have a shot like you can't have to hit the same shot twice. So you can't have to re tee or like literally hit one two inches in front of you. Which I mean, that's I mean, if we're gonna have hit bad shots. It's gonna happen. But OB is the ultimate penalty. You know, so as long as you're not re teeing at any point during the round, you're at least progressing forward onto the hole. 
Um, the other two are short game related and they're really simple is get the ball on the green and one is one of the biggest things you see. Sometimes, you know, people see Phil Nicholson hit the flop shot and they you know, go, I want to throw it up in the air. Like if you don't have that shot in the bag, don't hit it. You don't even necessarily have to look at the hole. You just have to make sure that after one chip, you have a putt the next chip, next shot. That's very, very important. Um, have a stock shot. You know, I know you watch like Rick Shields and stuff, always talks about the bump and run, the eight iron. It doesn't have to be the eight iron or anything, but you have to have a club that in most situations, you're like, all right, I'm going to pull out my pitching wedge or something and hit a little chip, and that's it. And, like, yep. maybe I'm still 30 feet away, but I have a putt. And then the third is to, if you don't three-putt at any point in the round, you know, and the easiest way to do that is just really to focus on, on speed, you know. Even if you're a bad greener eater, you know, you're, not, you're never going to have that many putts to break multiple feet. So if you can – if you can have confidence from like 45 feet or even 30 feet and in that you can hit it the correct distance and it's three feet left or right either way, you're going to give yourself a good chance to have two putts. So, I mean, if you don't have to re-tee, you're not double chipping and you're not three putting, you're going to have to do some stuff seriously wrong between yep. the, from the time you leave the tee the time you get to the green or around the green to not shoot 90. I want to echo the, the short game thing. So, like, just like off the tee, you have to have a go-to shot. I think your short game should have a go-to shot as well, right? So, um, like, Tommy, you know, prefaced the Phil Mickelson flop shot, right? Like, that's, that's not a shot that is going to help you unless you absolutely know you can hit it, right? So, like you said, the eight iron chip, something like that, I think that's super important. Matt? I think that – the eight iron chip is not necessarily the way to go as much anymore. You know, you hear that as like the go-to club, but understanding that clubs are stronger lofted now, you really want to use like a nine iron or pitching much more than likely. Love the um, but um, just whatever club it is, I mean, it could be a five iron. It doesn't matter. Like even if you're hitting like a little punch shot almost, you know, whatever club you you stand over and you're like, I'm going to have a putt. And it doesn't yeah. have to be. I'm gonna have to tap it. It's gonna be like I have, I have, I might have a 60 footer, but I'm going to have a butt after I get this shot. It's very important. Absolutely, that is so important, Matt. What about you? Well, you guys said pretty much everything that could be said. My my biggest thing, just to dumb it down to about as basic as you can get, uh, is I had it. Know your distances. I, I mean, not oh, if I flush this one, it'll go this far. Not that. Know your distances. You know, even just a basic understanding of your uh, distances is going to be huge difference. It's probably the biggest thing. I think another one is just self-awareness, right? So if you're fighting to break 90, if that, if you're that player and there's nothing wrong with that player, that's 70% of golfers. I can't remember. I know that over 90%. I know the number it's like different for like breaking 80 and breaking 90. I just always forget what it is, but um, so it's a huge number of people who are trying to actually break 90. And, and one of the things that, I think is super important is play real golf. Okay. You know, it's okay to hit two balls if you're out playing by yourself, but understand where you are score wise, right? Like learn some of the rules. I don't mean that you need to carry around a rule book and like understand like, Oh, you can't drop it. Oh, it's going to be closer to that stake. Like whatever, like, you know, you hit it in the water, give yourself a decent drop and put it out there, but understand where you're getting strokes that way. Also another thing that is super helpful is figure out your pars, right? So 
if the course is par 72 and you're an 18 handicap, right? You're getting an extra stroke on every one of those holes. So play them that way. Okay. So like if you have a long par four and you're an 18 handicap, you're treating it like a long par five or a short par five, essentially, right? So you want to birdie that par five, which would be a par with your handicap. It, it just simplifies and makes you feel a little better about the game as you're getting better. You'll know when you can start taking strokes off because your handicap will get better. The last thing is keep a handicap, okay? Like we would play with all of you if you have a handicap and you come out. I, I'm not going to – it's really tough to play a match with somebody that is not keeping a handicap, is going to shoot 95, and be upset that they got smoked. Well, they might not have gotten smoked if they had the handicap, right? We might have been closer in that. It, it helps people of all, you know, skill levels play. Um, it's a measurable way of seeing your improvement as well. Absolutely. So, got another comment here, by the way. All right. Same from Joe. Farming seem intimidating to some, but think about it as five shots to get to the hole, to get into the hole. If you have 18 of them, then it's 90. Do one better on a uh, on a par three, and it's four. That is a great way to look at it, Joe. I love it. That's a great way to look at it as you're trying to break 90. All right, so what do we have? Anything left on that list for the day? That's it. Uh, just to add on one more thing sure. as well. Uh, I right. had to learn this uh, pretty quickly. Put your damn pride aside. Yeah. Like if it is windy out and you're like, oh, I hit my seven iron 170 yards and you have wind directly in your face, your seven iron will not get there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So just don't be afraid to put your pride aside. Your game will thank you for it. It's all course management. I mean, yep. there's a lot of things that go into becoming a good golfer, you know, understanding wind, understanding uphill, downhill, understanding slowly fly and everything. But, I mean, for the guy who's trying to break 90, I think he needs to try to keep it as simple as possible. Yep. And, and the other thing I want to preface with my shirking thing, too, is it doesn't mean you stop practicing shots, like trying to throw it up in the air, trying to do, you know, you're obviously trying to get better, but, like, when you're playing golf, you want to go to a shot that you know is going. If you're like, hey, my goal is like, I just want to break 90 today, just keep it simple around three and just make sure you get it off. But if you want to continue to improve, you do have to you get, learn to get creative around three and stuff. There's a great story about Tommy Armour. Um, after he was done playing, he used to uh, give lessons at a course. I forget the name of the course. I'm going to butcher some of the details of the story. But he walked into the locker room of the club he was working at one, one day, and there was – a group of like four guys that were all like, you know, high handicappers. And one guy's like, I, you know, I bet you $10 I can break 90. And, and Tommy Armour was like, he was like, I'll take that bet with all these guys if you let me club you and, and work you around the course. And the guy was like, absolutely, you know. And the other guy was like, no chance, no chance. He's never been close to breaking 90. So Tommy Armour's like on the bag, right? And probably not carrying it, but he's on the bag with him. And they go out in the first hole, he hits, he duck hooks his drive, and he's, you know, got like 187 yards out and goes to pull five iron out of the bag. And Armour goes, eight iron. The guy's like, but I can hit my five iron that far. He's like, you can hit your five iron that far one out of five times. I need you to give yourself a chip up onto the green. So he pulls out his eight iron, gets it down there, chips up and down, makes par, and goes on to shoot like a 78. And he's like, so here's a guy that like was just trying to break 90 and with the right course management and somebody reading the greens for him blew it out of the water, right? Like, so, I mean, that, if that doesn't tell you that it's just about managing the course, I don't know what does. Yeah, and I think 
the build off to build off that. This would be my fourth tip: is to play with guys who do break ninety. Yes, one hundred percent. Because you get to and watch what they're Good. doing. Don't, Don't be so self-absorbed in your game that you're not learning. Like, what are they hitting off their tees when they hit it in the woods? What do they do? Do yeah. they go for the hero shot? Do they play out? If they are to go for the hero shot, what are those situations like? Like, is it, there's no like nothing really bad can happen even if it's a tree or something? Like, you know, what are they doing around the greens? How do they approach a putt? All that kind of stuff, and you can and ask questions like, why do you do that? Like, why did you approach that shot that way? And don't be annoying. Don't ask it like every hole, every shot. But I mean, I think a good player wouldn't mind walking through their thought process and why they did something one way or the other. No, in fact, one of the things I love doing on the course is before the shot, walking it through whoever's in my group, right? So, like, I, I was playing in a match over at Conestoga just a, a week ago, two weeks ago, where uh, I was Jared Cramp and I were playing, and, and Jared and I do a couple of better ball matches or better ball tournaments throughout the summer. and. I love being able to be like, okay, what do we got here? Distance, okay. Uh, what do you think about this shot? We got a little wind in the face. Here's a lie. Is it a flyer? Like, I, I love that. Like, I love that back and forth and that, that ability to, like, get some reassurance, you know, that a caddy might give you or a partner. It's it's great. Um, Matt, anything to add to that before we uh, go into our wrap-up? No, you guys nailed it. All right. So, next week, back on the tournament run, right, we're going to be – bringing you a ton of stats for betting. Um, let's see if we can get out the gates hot this year, make some money right out the gate. Um, I am going to be betting specifically on DraftKings this year. So if you're looking at numbers, that is what I will be using. Um, and uh, that's, uh, I, I don't care what these guys end up betting on, but I will be betting on DraftKings. Um, no FanDuel for me, no Thrive, because that was just awful last year. Um, so I'll be betting on uh, DraftKings specifically. Uh, we also might have a special guest next week that's going to talk about uh, talk about Bryson Shambo a little bit and, and see where we go with that. So that that could be fun, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll pack up the show with a bunch of other stuff as well. Anything to add before we sign off, Matt? Nope. Tommy. Other than uh, come in, visit us at Old Pin here in Lakeshore, PA. Uh, we only specialize in fitting, of course, but we also all your other golf needs that you might need. Uh, we always are down to talk about golf. So if you have any questions just about your game, too, you can stop and ask us about it. Uh, see how we can help you move on to the next level in your game. I want to thank the Painted Minds, as always, and Bolton Pin Golf Shop for always hosting us. Um, it looks like we'll probably be in store for most of these from here on out. You never know. Might see the virtual from time to time. Um, I also want to take a moment to point out that you can find this podcast on Spotify, um podcast app uh itunes anywhere podcasts are at this point check us out pull the pin and uh we'll probably edit them a little bit as we put them on so this airs every monday at three for the most part and then by tuesday at 7 a.m the podcast will be up on spotify and uh hope you guys will listen thanks again to the painted lines and I'm, I'm hoping I'd like to go live a little bit on Friday, maybe, and uh, get some more video. I still need to get the uh, three-hole uh, massacre that uh, Tommy put on me and Matt. Uh, we put a couple of uh, clips out of uh, those guys swinging. I didn't get my clip together yet. I've just been kind of busy uh, with Christmas and holidays. But outside of that, we'll see you guys next week. For Tommy, for Matt, uh, bye. Bye.